Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. My name is Connor, and you are listening to another episode of Film Talks. This week, we got a lot on our plate. We got some news about a Velma TV show. Uh, I want to talk about Greatest Showman and La La Land. And, uh, of course, we have the What I'm Watching uh, segment, where I'll be talking about the TV show Hannibal. It was a cable show that came out a while ago, and I just started watching it. It was on Netflix. I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. It might ju- uh, it, They might have put it on Hulu now, but I got a lot to say about that. And then we got some, some other topics if I feel like we have enough time to cover them. So let's just get right into it, shall we? Uh, the Velma TV show. Why am I talking about it? Who cares? Uh, well, it's starring Mindy Kaling. Uh, she's from The Office. You might uh, recognize her from something like that. She was also, she was in another show. I think the Mindy Kaling show. I think that's what it was called. Maybe not. Double check me on that. Uh, but she is going to be voicing an animated Velma TV show. And it's not huge, I guess. However, interesting tidbit, it's going to be an adult animation. So um, I know that they made a Harley Quinn TV show that was similar to this, an adult animation. And typically, I guess what they mean by adult animation is, oh, they talk about sex and they curse a lot. That's really all adult animation is. Um, it's actually probably one of the most annoying subtypes of a genre I guess like you have animation and then you have adult animation like I don't feel like it's necessary it's kind of stupid like like rated R movies right they there there's a point to be made that hey sometimes a movie is rated R just so they can show um just so they can show boobs or uh, so they can say the F word or something like that. And it's a little disingenuous when you make a movie just for that. You're just like, you really needed an R rating just so you could say the F word more than one time or whatever. It's It, it, it gets on my nerves sometimes. Like there, there needs to be a reason more than just sex, violence, and and language like if you use it within your movie okay if it fits your story but if you're just cramming it in there so you can get that r rating it's it's annoying same thing in adult animation seems to run that like to a hundred like it's a capital sin because all adult animation is is just trying to be like oh you think cartoons are for kids boom f word boom sex oh you weren't expecting this it's just shock value and it's rarely ever like oh this is a solid tv show i'm sure there are some but whenever i hear the words adult animation i'm like ugh, probably no one's gonna watch it and the people that do i don't know if i've ever talked to them and I don't know if I would want to. They'd probably be a little weird. I don't know. Ugh, maybe that's a little rude to say, but adult animation, especially with a Velma TV show. Like, what does that mean? I, who, I don't, I'm sure there are some people that watch uh, Scooby-Doo and all that stuff, and they're like, hey, my favorite character is Velma. Power to you. Sure, fun. Um, is she worth a whole TV show exploring her origin or whatever they're going to talk about? I mean, I read the article, and here's where, like, I guess there's some controversy around this, is the, um, I don't know if it was Mindy Kaling or someone associated with the show said, there's no Scooby-Doo and there's no Mystery Van. So what is what is this? Like, that? it's honest question. What is this show? Is it literally just... 
high school kids in animation just being high schoolers? Are they still solving mysteries and they just don't have a van? Or they they, they don't have a talking dog? I mean, like, I feel like <laughs> it's like, hey, here's the cool part about Scooby-Doo. It's Scooby-Doo and mysteries. Like, that is what it's about. And now it's not. Now it's about Velma living life. It, I don't know. It just doesn't sound interesting to me because it's an adult animation, because it's probably one of the most disinteresting characters. I heard from some people, they're like, oh, they're making adult animation Velma. And I guess there's some uproar because um, uh, Mindy Kaling, I guess, I guess they're making Velma uh, not white in this TV show, which I mean, I don't care. It's Velma. I really, I don't care. I really don't. There are some people who are going to care not me. So if that's your reasoning for not watching it, eh, I don't know. Give it a shot. Give it a look. But my reason for not looking forward to it are just that, like, just why? Probably the most interesting duo in the TV show is Scooby and Shaggy. That's why when you watch the live action movie, you know, like, those are the two main people because they have the best relationship. Everybody loves Scooby and Shaggy. They're the best. Who cares about Velma? It's just, eh. Uh, and and then I guess there's this other thing going around that everybody's saying, oh, I don't really care if she's white or if she's Asian or whatever she is, but Velma better be um, the gay icon that she is in this TV show. And did I miss that? I didn't. I didn't know she was a gay icon. Like maybe this is like this is news to me. I got like I watched the show pretty consistently. I watched a lot of the movies. I never got like the feeling that she was gay. But I guess, like, the whole, it, it being a kid's show or whatever, they just didn't really talk about sexuality or whatever on the show. It's just an interesting thing. I, I find that kind of interesting sometimes how they'll be like, how people jump on a bandwagon and be like, oh, this character's gay. Why? What did they do that said they were gay? Or let alone say that they're straight. Like, that it just wasn't a part of the character in my eyes. But, you know, it's up, I guess it's up for debate. I Ask the showrunners, what did they think? What was When they made her, was she gay? Who knows? We'll ask them, they'll tell us. Controversy over. Well, that's all I got to say about the Velma TV show. Uh, be sure to comment, you know, tell me, what, do you th what are your feelings on the Velma TV show? Are you excited for it? Would you even watch it? I think it's going to be on HBO Max, uh, which I think makes its viewer base even smaller than it was going to be if it was on, like, Comedy Central or something like that. Uh... But, you know, that's that. So uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was Greatest Showman and La La Land. Now, what do they have in common? Uh, they were released within a year of each other. La La Land came out first, I believe, and then Greatest Showman came after. But they sort of, uh, most of La La Land made its money in 2017, the year that Greatest Showman came out. And so I feel like they came out so closely together that, you know, in my mind, they kind of blended a little bit. And there was a little bit of a, a back and forth between me and some people about like, oh, which one's better? I'll make it easy, okay? Greatest Showman is the better musical. Boom. I said it. I got no problem saying it. Greatest Showman has better songs. I will sing those songs for forever. It's great. The production is wonderful. They're very catchy. Um, you might not want to admit that they're catchy, but they are. And, uh, that's really as far as I would go with Greatest Showman. Like, I know, um, I think my aunt, my aunt Beth, she always said, well, I don't know if she says that now, but when Greatest Showman came out, she was like, this is the best movie ever. 
best movie ever, really high mark right there. I don't know if I want to go that high. Say it's a really great musical. Yeah, I can get behind that. There haven't been a lot of recent good musicals that were original. I think Greatest Showman is original. Um, but La La Land is a little interesting, right? Because I think I would call it a musical because there are musical numbers in it. And I feel like it just checks all the boxes that makes it a musical. Um, the singing is a little lackluster. And I know I've been a, a La La Land supporter the the allure of the movie in some cases is that the the people singing they're not like wowing you ryan gosling emma stone they're not like ooh this is amazing um they're more trying to go for a regular person just singing and it's an interesting take i got no problem with it uh but you know if, if we're you know going musical against musical uh when i want to watch a musical i want good music that sounds good and I will listen to a lot. Uh, La La Land music is very catchy. That piano tune, oof, every time I hear it gets me in this mood. Ah, it's it's good. Um, but, but the rest of the music, eh, even especially, uh, especially the John Legend song, not in love with it. I think it has a lot to do with just the character, is that we're not supposed to like John Legend's character. So, like, with the song, we kind of just have these uh, these biases against it. So whenever I hear it, I'm like, oh, it's that bad song where Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone had problems, all because of John Legend, that stupid John Legend. Um, he's not a bad singer, of course. I love John Legend's music. But if that is the most well-produced, um, well-rounded, quote-unquote, best-sounding song, um, eh, it doesn't really compare to Greatest Showman. Greatest Showman has at least two, three hit songs that, like, I could, you know, you play it, I'm like, that's Greatest Showman, like that song, keep it playing. La La Land, it's a definite, uh, it's definitely a mood-based movie when it comes to its music, if I'm going to watch, listen to it without the movie behind it. But where does La La Land, like, come out? It's with the characters, the acting, of course. I think Emma Stone won an Oscar for this movie. She must have. I feel like she did. And I, because I, I, I feel like I remember, because this was when they had that controversy at the Oscars because La La Land was announced to be the winner, but then, uh, but then Moonlight, I think Moonlight won the actual Oscar and it was a big uproar and all that. But I think Emma Stone won Best Female Actress and I was like, Ryan Gosling should get it. Because of course, what? Why wouldn't Ryan Gosling get it? He's awesome. He learned how to play the piano. He he went all in on this. He should have won the Oscar. So missed opportunity there, Oscars. You could have you know gained a supporter. I would have watched the next two Oscars if you had given Ryan Gosling that Oscar. Um, probably not, but uh, I would have said that I would. Um, so you got the better performances from my point of view, uh, better acting in La La Land, Greatest Showman, I also, here's, maybe this is a hot take, uh, Hugh Jackman's singing very rarely wows me. I feel like Hugh Jackman's singing is basically just him yelling really loudly into the mic, um, with some tonality behind it. I'm like, oh, okay, like, I, I guess I can't do that, so it's, there's some talent, but it, it doesn't always sound so great. Uh, like, in Les Mis, he's just yelling. Uh, I, I don't know, but, you know, they keep putting him in musicals, so there's got to be something there. I know he did Broadway, I'm pretty sure. 
um, it just amazes me sometimes. Like Zac Efron has a very, you know, maybe that that's what it is. I guess I'm used to a more, a certain kind of voice. Um, so like Zac Efron's voice is very uh, pleasing to hear and uh, Hugh Jackman's is just a different style that I'm not really used to. So maybe that's what it is. Um, but still, that, that music in Greatest Showman is better. La La Land, I'll give the performances and the actors, you know, they they stood on their head, I guess. I don't know what the phrase is, but La La Land actors, they, they took that part. And then story, um, Greatest Showman has a very simple, easy-to-follow story, um, family-oriented. Um, but La La Land, what I like about that one is that it's not complex, but it gives uh, the characters more complex moments. And I feel like there's more to La La Land than Greatest Showman. And, and that's something I really, uh, I really appreciate about movies, is when a movie can be simple when you're just watching it. But the second you, you want to dig deeper, you can. You find, you, you dig a little deeper and you're like, whoa, there's some stuff here. Like in La La Land, there's uh, a color language with, with different characters, with different moods. Uh, Greatest Showman, I uh, can't really say that that's the case. Greatest Showman, it just seems a little too manicured, a little too simple in my mind. Um, La La Land, it deals with um, people's desires, wants, dreams, and relationships, and can they both uh, coexist? Can can you love someone and pursue your dream while they're also pursuing their dream? And you know, there's a there's a level of realism behind there that is just so complex. And plus, I, again, biases always come into our movies, uh, into the viewing experience. Um, for for the audience in regards to how much they like a movie i can't you know say anything against that like it's definitely true in the case of la la land uh that that ending was just so impactful for me and it doesn't have to be impactful for everyone but for me just the fact that um they emma stone and ryan gosling's characters get to see each other at the end of the movie not together but see that they both achieve their dreams and they're okay with that and it was just it's so beautiful and and heartbreaking a little bit because you know secretly you want the two to be together but they're not broken they they're they're still achieving things and I, i think that's a really powerful message it's an interesting thought whereas greatest showman um, I guess uh, an interesting element of it is, you know, Hugh Jackman, I guess there's that affair element where, you know, uh, he's, he's, he has a family, but then he falls in love with another woman, and Zac Efron has his, uh, and Zendaya, they have that um, discrimination, um, black, white people dilemma thing. Uh, but I guess I, I think in those two problems for those characters they've been done before they're they're not very original uh whereas the la la land one it was complex enough that i was like i don't think i've seen something exactly like this and so it was interesting to view and to experience so really i think for that reason i give la la land the edge over greatest showman uh, again, this is just something I'm bringing up. This might not be a controversy. This might not be a battle between these two. However, in my mind, in the way I've, uh, I've had discussions with people uh, when these movies came out and which one is better. And so I think because of when they both came out, they're 
is a little bit of a rivalry between La La Land and Greatest Showman. Even though I think in my mind they're very different films and going after very different types of people who will watch these movies. I don't think my dad has ever seen La La Land and yet he's seen Greatest Showman. But me and my mom have seen both. Like it's just, you know, just, you know, it just is. They're, they're different kinds of movies and I'm just here trying to make conversation about it. Which one do I like better? I'd probably go La La Land. Greatest Showman, I'll listen to that soundtrack endlessly. You put me in a car, I'll watch. I'll listen to it. Um, I'll, e- I'll even watch parts of it, but I don't feel a desire to ever re-watch um, The Greatest Showman, whereas La La Land, I think I've watched it at least three times. I've bought it for Jasmine, uh, I think, last Christmas because I wanted her to experience it. So, yeah, I have an attachment to La La Land. I think there's a lot of good pieces in that compared to Greatest Showman. Uh, and yeah, so uh, last last part that I have is uh, the What I'm Watching segment. And what I want to talk about is the TV show Hannibal. I meant to talk about it last week, but I just forgot about it. I just spaced. I don't know why. I have a huge pass- passion for this show. I, don't, I, can't, I can't really understand why. I'm going to try to word it for all of you. I highly recommend it. It is not a kid's show. If you know anything about Silence of the Lambs, about Hannibal, uh, I don't think it's it's spoilerific or, or however you want to say it. I don't think there's any spoilers in saying that Hannibal is a cannibal and he, he eats people and there's killers and stuff. So it's kind of like if you took a Law & Order episode and made it rated R, you get Hannibal. Like, to the point where I was actually surprised the amount of things they showed knowing that it was a cable TV show. I was like, do they allow you to show these things? Maybe it's maybe they cut it, and now on Netflix you see an uncensored version. I don't know. But it ran for three seasons, and then it was cut short. And, heck, I, I'm, I'm here talking to you about this show, and I haven't even finished it. I, I, it actually got taken off Netflix before I could finish it. However, I, I felt some, uh, I felt a good conclusion to the story at about the midway point of season three. So that's why I'm talking about it now. I don't think you need to finish the entire season three because uh, after reading things, I'm told that they actually canceled the show before it reached its actual conclusion. However, it's, it's a good enough story as it is that I just feel a good level of completeness, completion to what I have seen. So don't, don't let that knock your experience. If you're interested in these Law & Orders uh, type shows with a better narrative than Law & Order that's not stale, um, give this show, uh, check it out, because even if it doesn't end uh, when the showrunner wanted it to end, uh, it's good enough. And I think you'll 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 feel that when you get it. Um, so I actually I, I've done a, a couple movie reviews at this point, and I actually wanted to make it more focused, especially when I'm talking about this Hannibal TV show, in regards to why I like it. And I've really been trying over multiple weeks to figure out what makes me like a TV show, like a movie. And so I kind of listed some things, so I'm going to go through it, and we'll see. Maybe these things are are elements that I'll keep using throughout these weeks when I start reviewing movies and TV shows because it'll make it easier 
for me to explain to you why I like these things, like these, uh, like this content and all that. Uh, so uh, I don't know if I'll get into spoilers, but I will put it up now. Don't keep going with this episode if you're afraid of spoilers. If you're going to watch Hannibal and you don't want it to be spoiled for you, I, I would recommend. There are some elements in this TV show that I'm like, ooh. That was a surprise, and that was wonderful. So, you know, if, if you really want to be surprised with this TV show, I would recommend it. You know, don't watch ahead. Uh, watch this episode when you get through some of the episodes for Hannibal. But the first element that I, I thought was important was I like movies and TV shows that don't feel rushed or don't have bloated storylines. And I think with cable TV, too often it is really easy to make things bloated. Even Breaking Bad had an episode that was essentially a throwaway episode where there's a fly and they have to kill the fly. And, you know, the whole time, here's a show where you're dealing with, like, drug dealers and there's stuff always happening. And now we're wasting a whole episode on them swatting a fly. I know there are articles, I know there are video essays out there that will tell you the fly episode is way more important then you might believe, but it's, it's, it is what it is. It's a throwaway episode. Even The Mandalorian, a show that has very few episodes, under 10, I believe, in, in each season, um, in each season, sorry, um, even The Mandalorian has throwaway episodes because, I, again, I don't know why. I'm sure it's because, you know, they just want people to keep watching. But there are some times where you just feel like you're getting pulled along and there's nothing really that happened that episode. But just wait until next week and you'll get something. And in Hannibal, it does happen. Like, there are moments where I felt a little stretched. Season one, pretty tight. Season one is interesting because that one takes a more Law & Order vibe to it where they bring in this character, Will, and he's very interesting. He basically is a sociopath, psychopath, whatever you want to call him, um, but he's not. Like, he's able, to, he's, he's able to get into the mindset of these serial killers, um, but he's able to pull himself back so he's not, he doesn't become a serial killer. And so it's an interesting dynamic, actually, when you think about it, that you have this character who could be the people he hunts, but he's able to pull himself b back before he gets to that point. Um, and so each episode, he comes in for the FBI, and they try to, together, try to figure out uh, why the killer is doing what he's doing, and how do we catch the killer. And then Hannibal gets introduced, and Hannibal is the psychiatrist for Will, because they're worried about his mental state, you know, him constantly having to get into the mindset of serial killers, it's probably bad for you. So you should probably go see a psychiatrist and they talk things through. Little do the FBI know, Hannibal is himself a serial killer, but he's like the worst kind. So like Will is able to understand serial killers' mindsets because they always have a purpose. They always have like a desire to do what they what what they're doing so like there are some people who think that they're doing good things like they're trying to make people see god by killing them or something like that but hannibal is the type of killer that feels no emotion he, he kind of just kills as a whim and then he eats his subject so it's hard to figure out 
and he, and he's very he's very clean and all that, so he never leaves fingerprints or anything. So his crime scenes are always notable. So they're able to tie his crime scenes together and say that's the same guy. But they're never able to fig like they're never able to say oh that guy is Hannibal. They're never able to make that connection, and it's so interesting. Um, so there are times where the seasons can get bloated with the story. Um, by having, you know, those, again, when with mature content, there's always going to be those weird sex scenes for whatever reason. It's a cable TV show, so you're not going to see anything. But, like, half the episode is just people making out and stuff. And you're like, this doesn't progress the story. This, uh, I already know they like each other. Let's just get through it. Um, so there, there's bloated elements of the show. However, I think the the crime per episode, the episodic nature of a crime show, plus an overarching narrative of Hannibal trying to taint Will and turn him into a serial killer is interesting enough to keep you going. And so it's it doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't, it doesn't feel bloated. So in that case, uh, it passes that mark. Um, so the next one I want to talk about is I like movies and TV shows that have characters with motivations that I can relate with or understand. And uh, obviously with Hannibal, you can't really understand him, but uh, he's cool. He has the cool element where you're like, he's just suave and, and always prepared. He just happens to be a bad guy. And then you get Will and, uh, you know, the people in the FBI, and they're, they're the humanity of the show. And that's where you find your um, connection. And I, although you, you, you lose Will later in the show to just being kind of more detached than he was in the beginning, I think there's an inherent uh, desire in all of us to understand things that maybe uh, seem impossible. Like, like there, I've had thoughts where I'm like, okay, like you, you hear a story where somebody killed another person. You're like, how could you do that? How could you get to that point? where you wanted to kill that person or do any any heinous crime where you're like how do you how do you jump over that ledge and get to the get to the point where you're like yeah I'm going to do that um in Will's case he he knows he's able to empathize he's able to understand how they're able to get to that point and for that reason Will I think is a really interesting character and um in a way he's a relatable character in a way like I don't I don't have his ability and I don't know a lot of people who have that ability I don't even know if it's possible but uh there are certain elements of his character that make you go okay I can relate with that I can understand that um so yeah uh the Hannibal TV show does have have those characters that you can really get in tuned with and other ones that you think are super cool even if you can't get in tuned with them so uh, the other, another element I have is I like movies and TV shows that don't draw attention to the fact that they're movies. Um, Hannibal definitely doesn't do this. But there are movies where it, it kind of takes you out of it. Like there might be weird CGI work where um, it just sticks out like a sore thumb and you're just like, oh, oh, that's, that's not real. I didn't want to see that. And you're just like, oh, taken right out of the movie. And you're just like that. It just looks bad. Why did Why did you do that? Why did you like you watch the prequels for the Star Wars trilogy, the, the prequel Star Wars movies? And as much as I love them, you're just like, I. It doesn't look real. It looks bad. 
and it takes you out of the movie a little bit. And sometimes they do that with camera work too. Sometimes they make it too overtly, well, too too obvious that the camera is there capturing things. And I I'm a I'm the kind of viewer that just wants to be you know sucked into the story, into the movie, and just live in the world. And if I see a camera, if I see weird effects, it takes me out of it. And you don't get that with a book, obviously. With a book, you just get sucked in and nothing takes you out unless somebody taps you on the shoulder. But in movies, it's a visual medium, so you have those dilemmas. But in Hannibal, you don't have any of those problems. And then, I guess, the last thing I want to mention is my favorite movies I can rewatch over and over again because of my love for the characters. And, and I guess here's where I have the sticking point with Hannibal. There were points in this show where I was like, wow, they made some ga- like literal Game of Thrones decisions, which might be a spoiler. You might be able to figure out what I'm talking about. But they had Game of Thrones level decisions for certain characters. And I was like, wow, they had the balls to pull that off. The season two finale is the single greatest finale that I've probably seen in a long time. It was craziness. Like people are dying that I didn't think would ever die. And then season three, you learn... They're, they're they're not dead. The the, sh- the problem with this show is that too often they give you these surprises where they're like, hey, this person's dead or this person's alive, and then they just pull the rug from under you. They're like, oh, you thought this person was alive? Nope, now they're dead. Oh, you think this person's dead? Oh, now they're alive. And it's it, it gets, on, gets on my nerves. And that element kind of feeds into the characters because I think season two was the ending for this show. Season three, uh, midway through, you do get some reconciliation. You get a nice ending, I guess. But season two is a rough, gory, awful ending, which is what this show needed and should have had, I think. Um, I think season three, they felt the pressure. I I don't know how it worked, but I feel like when they made season three, they felt the pressure to kind of one-up their previous seasons and by doing that they kind of made it seem like a different kind of show and if you watch the show you'll understand what I'm talking about and because they did that the characters sort of changed and I I am all for characters evolving throughout a show you watch Breaking Bad for instance he Walter White is not the same guy he was in the beginning as he is in the end but that's the draw of the show his transition from meek science teacher to powerful drug kingpin it's amazing one of the greatest shows ever in tv history this one uh hannibal hannibal is never supposed to grow hannibal is just the same throughout the whole time will i guess will is mm, it's so hard because I like what they did with Will, but I feel like too often they do that same thing with the killings, is that they pull the rug from out, from under the characters, and that Will is healthy, and then he's damaged, and then he's healthy again, and then he's damaged again, and it just goes back and forth, and it gets a little tiring, which I I guess can kind of lead into a bloated storyline. I don't think it ever gets to that point, but it does feel like sometimes in this show, the characters are running in circles. And that's that. That's a immediate no for me in terms of rewatchability. I'll finish the story, 
because the, the story is interesting enough, but I'm going to come back for the characters because I want to see them again, because I want to live in that world again. And Hannibal, Hannibal's not going to do that for you. So do I recommend this show? Yes. Watch it. It's super interesting. The acting is great. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good story for the first two seasons. Watch it till the end of the second season. You don't have to watch the third season. Um, will you watch it again? Probably not. It's not that type of show. But I think that I think I think that's all you'll need is the you know just my recommendation that hey, you'll probably like it the first go around. How often do you rewatch a TV show? I like Breaking Bad. I I might rewatch some of the episodes. I'm never gonna rewatch the whole series. Like that's that's huge. Um, so I think I think just watching it the first go around is good enough for a decent TV show. And uh, yeah, so that's all I got for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I hope you like this episode you can if you're watching on youtube please like subscribe comment below on what you liked what you didn't like if you're listening on spotify if you're listening on amazon google apple all that stuff you know leave a like leave a review and uh, also look me up film.talks official on uh, on instagram on facebook i post quite frequently and uh, you can, you know, have dialogue with me and we can talk about movies and you can give me recommendations and all that. And I typically post my episodes every Saturday morning and you'll be able to see on my Instagram and Facebook whenever I post. So like and follow so you can stay in tune with when I post. And yeah, thank, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Hope you all have a great week. So long. 